Hey, this is Stu with Bitcoin Fi, the cross-section between financial independence and crypto. It's been an interesting couple of weeks with the price of Bitcoin falling from a high of around 69000 back down to, I think, as low as about fifty-five or 56000 So it's been pretty volatile. The one thing that always helps me in times like this where the prices are going crazy is to zoom out and still realize that Bitcoin is up over 200% in the last year. It's also pretty expected. Most of the huge run-ups in the past, like in 2017, had multiple drops of 30% or 20% interspersed. And uh, anyway, it's always a little bit stressful, but hang in there. This is where they talk about HODL, HODLing, um, H-O-D-L, this misspelling of the word hold that uh, stands for hold on for dear life. There's actually a funny story behind this. I will link it. Uh, it's a old Reddit message. But anyway, kind of funny. Hang in there. It seems like things are actually healthier. They expect this. Whenever I go and read about what's going on with Bitcoin and other cryptos, and I'm reading the analysis from Willy Woo on Twitter, or Will Clemente, or Plan B, or Michael Vandy Poppy. All these guys are pretty good at what they do with on-chain analysis. It seems like what's happening with this latest pullback is Bitcoin has a tendency to clear out all of the over-leveraged traders and all of the weak hands. And what you see instead is that the people that have been holding for a long time keep adding on these dips. So the sentiment right now is bad. People are kind of bummed out. There's a lot of fear, but the fundamentals are still pretty strong as far as the hash rate, as far as people holding, as far as demand. The amount of Bitcoin that's still leaving exchanges overall. So there's a lot of good things happening, but the price is just not reflecting it right now. Anyway, we will see if the market can find some of its footing and resume its uptrend. Plan B has been calling for 98k for November, so we will see if we get up there. But obviously we still have to get above 60k, 63k, 67 are some of the key levels to watch um, before we make a move up higher. But Bitcoin has a tendency to surprise, has a tendency to do unexpected moves up or down. So, great time to buy. I did get a little bit, but not as much as I would have hoped. It's also interesting to watch as Shiba Inu and Dogecoin have continued to just hang out. I think Doge is in the top 10 still, just barely, and then Shiba is falling a little bit more, down 50% from its all-time high. Of course, these can keep going, but this is pretty much what I expected when Shiba flipped Doge. What happened was people started selling out of Shiba and moving it back into Doge. And then they got spooked by this guy with billions of U.S. dollars in Shiba. And that guy split up his wallet into a, several other wallets. And they were just afraid that if this guy sells, it's just going to crash it. I don't know if that ever happened. I haven't really followed it that much, but I just know it spooked the market quite a bit. So anyway, we will see what happens with those meme coins. But right now, I'm still focusing more on Bitcoin and Ethereum. And that's what I wanted to talk about today, was getting exposure to Bitcoin through the stock market. There are a few ways to do it, although none of these are 
in my opinion, quite as good as maybe owning actual Bitcoin yourself. So anyway, we're going to go through this. I had a friend that was talking to me about some of the Bitcoin stocks and had mentioned some of the mining stocks and how how well they have performed in the last year. And I even came across an article a few weeks ago about Bitcoin mining stocks that have outperformed Bitcoin itself. And by a large margin, some of these stocks are up over 1,000% in the last year, while Bitcoin was only up about 300% at the time the article was published. Anyway, we'll go through some of these different ways to get exposure. And I know one of the more recent things that has caused a buzz around Bitcoin was the approval of some Bitcoin future ETFs. There were two of them approved by the SEC. But as I kind of said before, they are not the best way to get exposed to crypto. When you buy futures, you're not actually buying Bitcoin. You're buying the option to buy Bitcoin either up in value or down in value in the future. So you're not buying Bitcoin at today's value. You're just buying a contract that gives you the right to buy Bitcoin at a certain price in the future. It's kind of hard to explain. I'm not an expert on futures, but the variance between Bitcoin's price at the moment, this is called the spot price. Bitcoin's price right now is the spot price. And the and so the variance between that actual spot price and the futures value can be significant. So the prices are not in line with Bitcoin necessarily. They can underperform Bitcoin, they can overperform Bitcoin. There are management fees and other issues involved. So I linked an article in my blog post if you want to learn more about this, but the takeaway is that a futures ETF is not the best way to get exposure. I think you would be much better off to buy Bitcoin and hold it yourself. Now, there's another option that might be better. And one of my friends is pretty into this. There's a company called Grayscale that has some ETFs, and they have one called GBTC, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Now, it just flipped GLD, the largest gold fund for assets under management, just recently. The problem with this fund, there is a premium that varies based on demand. So if Bitcoin is worth 65000 Grayscale, when you buy their fund, like they are buying Bitcoin and holding it for the people that are in their fund. So if you bought a certain amount of Grayscale ETF, you're entitled, you have title to a certain amount of Bitcoin that Grayscale is buying and taking custody for you. The problem is the premium based on the demand of this fund, the demand of this ETF. The typical range for the premium is between 6% and 38%, okay? So let's just say, for easy, easy math, that Bitcoin was $50,000 even, and you wanted to buy this ETF to get exposure to Bitcoin, the lowest premium you can get is about 6%. So if Bitcoin was about 50000 and you bought enough Grayscale to buy a whole Bitcoin, you would actually need to pay 6% over that in the Grayscale fund. So you'd actually have to pay about 53000 and a few hundred bucks to get a $50,000 Bitcoin. And it's as much as up to 38% on the typical range. 6 to 38% is the typical premium. So it might require you to buy 75000 of GPTC to actually own one full Bitcoin through Grayscale versus it would only cost you 50000 in Bitcoin. 
to own one Bitcoin. So anyway, what I'm saying is that you're not getting exactly what you paid for because of this premium, okay? Sometimes the premium gets very out of whack. Back in 2017, the premium was as much as 137%. This means, once again, if Bitcoin, let's just say if Bitcoin was 10,000 and you bought 25,000 of GPTC, you still would like barely just have a Bitcoin. And I'm doing some rough math here, but you get the point is you could have bought two Bitcoins yourself or two and a half Bitcoins yourself, but instead it takes you, you know, 25,000 to buy one Bitcoin at 10,000. So you're paying such a high premium that I don't really, I don't really like this. But the pro of the fund is that you can buy and sell Bitcoin without the hassle. You can do it in a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, even a health savings account if they let you do whatever funds that you want. You don't have to worry about the proper security. You don't have to worry about storing it. You don't have to worry about any of this stuff. And like I said, it's tax advantage if you are going to want to sell at some point. Now, I have a little bit of exposure to this through another fund. It's called ARKW. It's the ARK Invest Next Generation Internet ETF. Okay. GBTC is the second largest holding in this fund, followed by Coinbase. So I have some ARCW, and about 7.5% of it is in GBTC. About 6.5% is in Coinbase. And this fund also has exposure to some other crypto-tied companies like Square and Twitter, and we're going to talk about those next. Now, the other interesting thing about Grayscale is they also have a fund for Ethereum. E-T-H-E is the ticker and Bitcoin Cash and a few other cryptos. If you are accredited, you can actually buy these with less of a premium, but because of the premium, again, you would probably be better off. If you're savvy enough to use two-factor authentication and set up a Coinbase account with a strong, unique password using a password manager and then put it in the Coinbase vault, I think that's the best thing you could do. But just know that this is an option. Okay, and I also have linked a few articles on Grayscale and the pros and cons of it. So check the show notes if you want to learn more. The next way to get exposure to Bitcoin is through publicly traded companies that hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Okay, so this is another kind of indirect way. For example, Tesla. Everyone knows who Tesla is. They make electric cars that are awesome, and they have approximately 43,000 Bitcoins on their balance sheet. That, but that's the thing, is buying Tesla stock is, again, not the same as buying Bitcoin. Although if Bitcoin had a significant run-up, that would benefit Tesla, and vice versa, if Bitcoin crashed really low, that would negatively affect Tesla stock, probably. But what affects Tesla stock the most is how well they do delivering their electric cars and whatever lines of business that they have. MicroStrategy has 117,000 Bitcoins. There's Galaxy Digital Holdings. There's Voyager Digital. There's Square, Marathon, Coinbase. Mercado Libre is a South American company. Think of it like the Amazon of South and Central America, basically. Um, they also own some Bitcoin. I don't know how much exactly, but these are just some of the main big companies. And I have all the tickers in my show notes in the blog. 
this is again not the way that I would go, but um, these companies, some of them are crypto exchanges, some of them are miners, some are retail, some are auto manufacturing, some are social media and business intelligence. So a lot of kind of interesting companies, but the stock is going to be more dependent on how those businesses perform in their main line of business than correlated with Bitcoin. It's going to be less correlated with Bitcoin than with their actual business fundamentals. So back to where I started the article is with mining companies. Some of these stocks have returned insane amounts. And basically what they do is they buy up these miners from Bitmain or whatever manufacturer that makes Bitcoin miners. They set them up in a facility and they mine Bitcoin. They hold some and they sell some. So they sell some to fund their operations. Okay, It's a pretty straightforward business model. There's another business model. I'm not sure how many do this, but let's just say that I'm a billionaire or a multimillionaire businessman and I want to mine some Bitcoin instead of buying it. I could possibly approach one of these companies and say, buy me 100 miners, set them up for me. You manage their maintenance. You manage setting them up because I don't know how to do it. I don't have the time to do it. I'm going to delegate these 100 miners to you and I'm going to pay you a, a monthly fee to run those miners and keep them up and running, maintain them, fix any problems, etc. But I'm going to collect some of my Bitcoin. So that's another way. I know that's how compass mining works, where you can go in and buy a miner, and they will just take care of that miner for you, and you'll get whatever Bitcoin that miner is able to unlock by validating blocks. Okay, so there's that. So probably the best option, at least in my opinion, from my research on this, is I came across this fund. It's called the Volt Fund Bitcoin Industry ETF. The ticker is BTCR. I think this might be the best overall way to get a balanced exposure to Bitcoin. It's a pretty new fund. It just went live. It did not have a lot of hype around it like the Bitcoin Future ETF, which got so much volume. BITO, that Futures ETF that I talked about at the beginning, got a ton of volume, got a ton of hype, ton of attention. The BTCR ETF flew under the radar. It's gotten very little volume, but it's a pretty interesting fund. The expense ratio is pretty cheap. Comparing it to the Grayscale Bitcoin fund, which has an active management fee of 2%, this one is 0.85%, so that's still a pretty high fee for people in the FIRE movement. So the fee isn't that bad, but it is still pretty high. Overall, I, I like the approach that this fund takes. About half of the stocks in this ETF have to do with mining, about 48% of their holdings. I did some rough math, but they have seven different mining companies within this ETF. Marathon is one. I believe they have Riot. Argo, Hut, and there's a few others that I'm less familiar with. So it's pretty spread out there. About 3.5% is in a manufacturer of Bitcoin miners. Okay, So they're getting the, the person selling the shovels. They're getting the people that are using the shovels, the miners. Then they have 4% in crypto exchanges, Coinbase and Robinhood. Now it pains me that they have stock in Robinhood because I hate Robinhood. Coinbase, I'm cool with. Then they have 14% in stocks with Bitcoin on their balance sheet. So 
that whole list, Tesla, Square, Twitter, and Mercado Libre. I don't have the full list right in front of me of what is actually in this fund. I know they definitely have some micro strategy. And so they have, like I said, 14% of the stocks in this fund are companies with Bitcoin on the balance sheet. They have 5% in some different chip makers like Intel, AMD, NVIDIA, stuff like that. They make the chips that go in the miners. So I really like how they're spread out across mining companies, mining manufacturers, chip makers, stocks with Bitcoin on the balance sheet, publicly traded exchanges, Coinbase and Robinhood. This is pretty well diversified as far as Bitcoin goes. Now, there's 11% of the fund that I haven't talked about yet, and this is the part that I don't understand as much. There's 11% that's in call and put options against MicroStrategy, Marathon, ticker XPDI, and QQQ. QQQ is an index fund for the NASDAQ, for just tech stocks in general, pretty much. It's one of the big indexes of the stock market. And so that kind of balances out a little bit. This is an income strategy, from what I can tell. Again, I don't know a whole lot about options, calls and puts against these companies, but they're trying to generate some cash flow with these calls and puts. I'm not the best person to explain this, but anyway, I like the mix of everything in this fund. It covers kind of all the bases. And with the BTCR ETF, I have made an allocation to it, as well as ARKW, so I think I'm good. I've got exposure to pretty much everything I've talked about in this article through those two ETFs. Now, one thing that's been kind of interesting is we are waiting on the SEC to approve a spot Bitcoin ETF that will give you the actual price. It's been denied many times. There have been many applications for this and it was just rejected again on November 12th. They're, they were concerned that there was not enough done to demonstrate that the fund would prevent fraudulent trading and protect investors, okay? We're still waiting for the SEC to approve a fund that would give you Bitcoin dollar for dollar, whatever you put into the fund, and custody that for you. GBTC is the closest thing we have, but like I said, there's a premium. We're still waiting for that spot ETF like GLD or SLV for gold and silver. Like if you buy GLD, there is a management fee. There is some other fees with this fund. But essentially, if you are putting $100 into GLD or SLV, they are titling over a chunk of gold or silver worth that same amount to you at the exact same time that you buy it, at the exact same value. So we're still waiting on that. It hasn't happened in years. It didn't happen just recently, and we'll see if that ever does come to fruition. But I think it is possible that it will come up in the next couple of years, but we'll have to just wait and see. In the meantime, like I said, I think the best way for you to get exposure to Bitcoin is by owning it yourself through a reputable exchange. I've got a list of them in the show notes. If you want to go beyond that, and you have money in an IRA or some tax advantage account, BTCR seems like the simplest and easiest way to cover pretty much all the bases that you can cover and get exposure to Bitcoin in the stock market. Now, the SEC has just recently um, 
issued a subpoena for Marathon Digital Mining Facility, and this caused the stock of Marathon Digital to drop significantly, as well as Riot, BitFarms, BitDigital, and HUD8. So several of the miners dipped a lot on this. I don't know a whole lot about this because Marathon has not really shared a lot of the details, but it seems that they are going to comply. It has something to do with possible violations of the federal securities law related to its data center in Montana. That's all I really know at this point. It did make everything dip quite a bit. So that is one thing to watch is how this subpoena plays out and how this all gets resolved. But I do tend to think that with where we are in the current halving cycle, that Bitcoin's price is going to be pretty pretty far up in the next three to six months. I think it's going to keep following the historical patterns, but there have been some downtimes. We're still in kind of this phase right now where we're knocked down a little bit, but I don't really see it as a hindrance. I think it'll pick back up and keep going and following those historical trend lines. I hope this helps, and it could be the case that you don't have enough cash to buy as much Bitcoin as you want, but you are looking for a way, maybe you have some money in your Roth IRA or something that you might want to allocate some this way. When it comes to stocks, the approach that I take is called a core and explore. The core of my investing strategy is broad-based passive index funds from Vanguard mostly or Fidelity. And I get some exposure to America. I get some international exposure. I buy some real estate investment trusts and get exposure to real estate that way. And then I get some emerging markets. And that's pretty much what I do for the core of my investing. But when it comes to my Roth and my Fidelity HSA, those are my play money. And in those places, I do Motley Fool Stock Advisor. And I've had pretty good success with them so far. And now I'm doing some BTCR. I've also done some ARC funds, and I've liked those over the years. The management fees are significantly higher, but again, it's just kind of fun to see how they do. It's a little bit more exciting than boring passive index funds that just buy every stock possible, pretty much. So anyway, that's my approach. Core and explore. You should have a core holding that is, I think, broad and passive or broad and active, whatever you want, but I think you should have this broad, diversified portfolio at the core, and then if you want to play outside of that, go ahead and play. Um, it's up to you, but this is all part of my investment policy statement where I have written out how I invest, the rules of how I invest. I think everyone should have an investment policy statement. In your investment policy statement, you should lay out a plan for your investments to help you reach your goals on your timeline. So I've got that, and that's how I invest. Obviously, it's changed in the last year with what I'm doing with crypto and Bitcoin. But anyway, it helps me set up these guideposts of how I'm going to invest and how I'm going to avoid emotional decisions where I have to refer to my rules before I make any rash decisions. Obviously, it needs amended at certain points in time, and I will discuss that with my spouse and then move on from there. But that's how I do it. This is not financial advice. Do your own research, please. But hopefully this gives you a good, solid spot to start looking and understanding what your options are with crypto-related stocks. All right, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. If you made it this far, seems like you probably did. Please feel free to share it with friends and family. 
Hope you have a great Thanksgiving, and I'll be back with you soon. Remember that financial independence is doable. All right, take care.